listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. We're in a series um, called More Than Me Every Day. More Than Me Every Day. Um, we had our More series where we we're talking about um, what does it look like to ask for more of the Spirit? What does it look like to go after more of the Spirit? Can you have more of the Spirit? And now we've moved into this series called More Than Me Every Day. What does that look like in everyday life? What does it look like to seek more of the Spirit, to walk instead with more of the Spirit in everyday life? And that's really the point of the series. Um, I'm going to start with a Bible verse. So if, if you uh, under the seat in front of you, or if there isn't a seat in front of you under your seat... Um, there's one of these maroon-coloured Bibles. If you don't have a Bible at home, that's your gift from us. Just take that. It's not stealing. Uh, and we're going to go to page 722, 722. We're going to go Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. When he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. If you've uh, been around the Christian traps for a while, you've probably read this a number of times. It's a pretty confronting verse, pretty stark verse. So I thought we'd have a chat about it today. So let's pray. Let's pray quickly before I start. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how that informs us. Thank you for how you speak to us through that. Thank you for how you want want us to journey in step with you. And we just ask as we unpack this passage today, as we unpack this concept today, that you will be speaking to our hearts, opening our minds and changing, changing us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, Mark spoke last week about um, uh, radical generosity. And um, I'm going to give you a little insight into how my brain works because my brain works a bit like all these concepts going off. But then when I, when I follow sermons, I try to make notes and I try to like map out a little network diagram. Um, I think I've been taught in the construction industry to do this, what's the next step? Um, so I've put Mark's 45-minute um, sermon into a network diagram for you. Okay, so the first, he said, uh, we have humans. You have the human. Um, that human then accepts Christ into our life. After we've accepted Christ into our life, we get a God-sized vision. We get this God-sized vision. God says, this is what I might want to do with your life. And we go, (gasps) then we start to hit challenges. Mark said, you hit these challenges, they feel like stop signs. 
And he says that generates something called, which he called a crisis of belief. He said this isn't a crisis of faith. A crisis of faith is different. This is a crisis of belief. Am I going to choose to believe what your word says? Am I going to choose to believe what you've said to me? Am I, choose, am I going to choose to believe and walk in that posture? Following this crisis of belief, he says, Mark said, really you've got two options. Option one is self-dependency. And then I added this little bit. Self-dependency just takes you back to hitting challenges. I don't know if you've experienced that in your life. I have. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to tough this one out. Back into the challenge. Back into a crisis of belief. Or the second option is obedience and dependence. And Mark said when we step into this obedience and dependence, we experience the radical generosity of God. So that's my little network diagram of Mark's 45-minute sermon. Um, The thing is, when I think about my life and I look at this, there's been times where I've experienced that radical generosity of God. But there's been times where I'm still stuck in the challenges, I'm in that crisis of belief. And actually, I don't don't think it's as clean a flow for me to get down to that radical generosity. And when I've thought about my life... My life often looks a bit more like this, okay? Bear with me. Oh, it's a pointer. So we have joy (laughs) on this axis, and we have time. It's 10-year increments. (laughs) Had a bit of time this week. So this is Ryan, right? This is Ryan when he's born. And I think babies are just joyous things. Yeah, babies, they cry a lot, but they have a lot of joy. So I've put myself, you know, around middle, middle of the joy axes. And then as I, as I went through my uh, kid years, life was good. This is when life as a how joyous is life when you're a, for me anyway, as a, as a kid growing up, I was in a pretty loving home. I had a lot of joy around. There was excitement around things like, you know, the free gift in the cornflake packet. That was like, <laughs> you know, that's, I don't get as joyful as that anymore about that free gift. So there was a real peak of, of joy there when I was around 10. Then, um, then I started to have to study. I had to go to school. I had to go to university. Um, and, and life got a bit harder. There was a bit more of a reality of life. Life can be a bit tougher. You have to grind things out. And then this moment here was really, I call this when I was really trying to build the kingdom of Ryan. This was me. I, wasn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't know God at this point. And this was really me trying to do it in my own strength. And I got to a point, I think it was August 2010, where I gave my life to Jesus. I knew in that moment that... Um, I've got to stop trying to tough it out on my own, and I've got to accept Jesus into my life. And that, that day, I know uh, a lot of people um, have, uh, have, this happens over a year or five years or ten years, but for me it was coming into the kingdom on one day. There was a clear day in August 2011 where I chose to follow Jesus with my life, and I can tell you that I experienced so much joy and freedom on that day where I just let go and just let God in. And then I became a Christian. And I think this is a way that I used to look at the Christian walk. I used to think that you hit this point of joy where you accept Jesus into your life 
And then this is just the slow, steady walk of being a Christian. And one day I get to die. (laughs) And I get to spend eternity with joy, of joy with the Father. And these little blimps on the slow, steady grind of being a Christian, these little things here are like, wow, God showed up and did something. And it just gave me a little kick along that I needed just to tough it out. And that's the slow, steady decline. So this might be, oh, I saw a healing. Oh, I experienced God. I, I um, saw God turn up somewhere. But yeah, the Christian walk, I used to think, was this. Just this slow, steady grind. Maybe you, that resonates with you. Maybe you think that um, I just got to tough this out. I'm in a tough season. I just need to grind through. Uh, maybe, um, yeah, maybe that is relevant for your life. I went to a, um, I'm in construction part-time and I, I have to go to these industry forum events. Um, so I'm at ministry and go in, in the construction industry. And I went to this industry of form, uh, event which was on use of timber. Use of timber in the construction industry. Now there's this novel product. I won't go into the technical details of it. It's basically, it's, basically, it's called CLT timber. It's this, this novel product that is emerging in Australia which is the use of timber in commercial settings. Yeah? So we get to build in timber and you can build skyscrapers now in timber. And it's about sustainability. It's about um, um, using, using these green products that aren't carbon emission heavy. Yeah? And they're, they're, so I'm at this industry presentation and they're rattling on about this timber. And then a really, really interesting thing happened. This lady got up and she said um, she was a design psychologist. Ooh, interesting title. So I'm like, I was there because there was a free breakfast. But... Uh, <laughs> And then suddenly it's got my attention because she's talking about psycho- the psychology of people. I'm like, oh, this is something I'm interested in. I'm now making notes and I'm on the edge of my seat. And she said, it's really interesting. When we use timber in t- inside internal settings, it changes atmospheres. It just changes atmospheres. She said, actually, studies have shown that um, heart rates steady and become more settled. She said, people that spend a lot of time in... in urban environments inside buildings that have lots of timber in them. Um, There's studies that that correlate positive mental health outcomes with use of timber in construction. She talked about how anxiety diminishes. She talked about how they actually think there's a link between more productivity and reduced uh, obesity as people spend time in these environments. And she's basically imploring the room to use um, timber Use this timber, this novel product, inside our buildings. Um, I've got an example of it here. This is, a, this is a CLT glue lamp structure. This is actually a, um, one of the leading cancer treatment um, hospitals in Canada. And you can see they've used this timber and they're actually now mimicking these organic forms of trees inside their buildings. And I'm sat on the edge of my seat and I'm going... Has she not thought about why this is true? Like, these are all just these facts that, yeah, the science is now telling us that it will reduce your, um, uh, your, your blood pressure, you'll have quicker rehabilitation this, uh, when you're around nature. And I'm thinking, so I get talking to her afterwards, and I said, um, so that's really interesting what you were saying about um, uh, the psychology and design. And I said, why do you reckon it happens? And she just went, 
I don't, I don't know, it just does. Just, just happens. And I'm thinking, oh, she doesn't see this. This is, the truth is this. When we're around God's creation, we're replenished. Yeah? When you take God's creation, and one of the statistics she said is, if you're an Australian, you will generally spend about 72 years of your life inside buildings. Yep. 72 years of your life. The reality is when we take elements of God's creation and bring those elements into buildings, into man-made things, it changes atmospheres. She can give you all the statistics, the science, the, the what happens, but she hadn't really thought about the why. It's a lot like the presence of God. When we invite the presence of God in, it changes atmospheres. This is like a foretaste. What, they, what science is now telling us will happen in the building, in urban environments, is like just a taste. This is God's creation. What happens when we invite the Spirit of God in? She actually said in her presentation, she, she, it was almost like a, a, a rallying cry. She said, we urgently need to get this timber into our secondary and tertiary education institutes. Because the kids, they're so anxious. And I'm thinking, she just doesn't get it. This is, this is a, a foretaste of what God has to offer. If we get the kids to invite the presence of God into their lives, that's going to have a huge impact in their lives and a lasting impact in their lives. But that actually got me thinking as I'm thinking, she doesn't understand it. It got me pondering on this question. And this is the question I want us to camp on today and to discuss. Am I stewarding the presence of God that I carry? Am I stewarding the presence of God that I carry? Do we realise that we carry the presence of God? Do we always remember that we carry the presence of God? We know, I know in Galatians it says that um, if anyone has called on Abba Father, it's the Spirit, it's the Spirit of the Son that has led us there. The Spirit has led you into your faith. The Spirit has led you to call on Abba the Father. If you haven't yet called on the Lord as your Father, the Spirit has led you here today to hear this message. It's the presence of God, the Spirit, the Counselor, that is already leading our lives if we are Christian. That's just a fact. And as that happens, we then have a responsibility to steward that presence. Am I stewarding the presence of God that I carry? It got me thinking as I was, oh, I left this, this, this forum, I was thinking about this lady and she hadn't really thought about the why and then it moved me into thinking about, well, am I, am I realising, am I really operating in that full potential that God has of carrying this presence that he's gifted us, gifted me with, into environments? 
It got me thinking about, well, what does it look like to carry the presence? It's quite a conceptual thing. And this is where I got to. So back to Mark's sermon last week. We're human. We accept Christ into our lives. We get a God-sized vision. We have these crises of belief. We either go to self-dependency and get back to the challenge, or we step into obedience, into dependency upon God, and then we experience God's radical generosity. After we've experienced God's radical generosity, we experience greater intimacy with God. And as we experience that greater intimacy with God, he brings us into clarity around his will and purpose. And as we get that clarity around his will and purpose and our vision expands a bit, we invariably hit new challenges. This cycle of life, this cycle of growth is actually relationship with God. This is what it is. Where we have those uh, crises of belief and we have those gulp moments where despite what looks logical, we choose to step into obedience and dependency. That's the gulp moments. When we journey out of them and we experience God's radical generosity, that's those, we just feel loved moments. Often after the radical generosity and we understand God, we have that wow, that's why, God, moments. This is a cycle of deepening relationship with God. This is where we trust the Father. This is where we follow the Son's example. And this is where we listen to and are led by the Holy Spirit. Dallas Willard in his book, Hearing God, says this. Most conversation between God and humans is to help us understand things. God relates to his people in a way to help them grow and develop. We must therefore make it our primary goal, not just to hear the voice of God, but to be mature people in loving relationship with him. So really what we're faced with is two options. We can slog it out with a smile, we can be those Christians who are just going to suck it up, put on my game face, get out there. We can slog it out with a, with a smile. Or we can choose to be a people who operate with his power and his presence. They're the two, two options that we face. We can slog it out with a smile or we can operate in his power and presence. So what does it look like to operate in his power and presence? Mike Pellavacci and Andy in their, Andy Croft in their um, book, um, The Everyday Supernatural, 
they say this, God will command all of us to step out of our boats and trust him, expect to hear his command. And I love this bit. The best place to practice obedience is in the everyday. The best place to practice obedience is in the everyday. It means being obedient when no one else is looking. It means obeying the commands he gives us about how we spend our time, how we spend our money, and how we spend our talents. He himself said that anyone who would try to find his life would lose it. Yet anyone who lost his life for the sake of the gospel would find it. The hope of the world is a church that lives in radical obedience to the king. The hope of the world is a church that lives in radical obedience to the king. What I love about this is it's not saying the super spiros are those that are doing this huge, different thing. It's just being obedient in your daily walk with Christ. It's in the normal. It's in the Mondays, the mundane of the Mondays and Tuesdays. It's following God in our lives, choosing to wake up each morning and following God. That's where we deepen our relationship with him. I'm going to tell you about a friend of mine. I've got a friend, his name's Rickus. Rickus, uh, I met him over in WA. Um, I met Rickus for the first time in a church that we were visiting, and um, he's a bit older than me. I reckon he's probably got 15 years on me, and... Um, and I remember meeting Rickers, and I remember specifically thinking, I was not very much. He, uh, he doesn't have a huge stature. He's, uh, he was quite a quiet, meek guy. Um, I introduced him. I was polite to him, but I didn't really give him much airtime in my mind. I was, there's probably more interesting people that I'd want to go and have a beer with, is how I kind of thought. Pretty harsh. Rickus is a man that just has chosen to follow God with his life. Rickus gets up in the morning and he reads his Bible. Rickus prays about how he spends his time, where he invests his talents, where he gives his money. I, in Perth, it was really interesting because I, I would describe myself back then as the sloggered out, the smile Christian. I was a, a cultural Christian. I thought the joy meant having the biggest smile and just keep going. That was me. And um, Rickus was praying for me. Rickus met me. Rickus felt that the Lord was asking him to pray for me, so he just started praying for me. At one point, uh, while I was over in Perth, Rickus did this super, super spiritual thing. This is going to blow your mind. He rang me. And said, hey, do you and Joe want to come over for dinner? How spiritual is that? Wow. Um, we went over for dinner. He cooked a curry. And then Rick has just asked, started asking me about my life. And asking, oh yeah, why? Why are you here? Why are you in Perth? What are you doing? What, what do you think the Lord's doing in your life? I was shocked as God brought revelation into my life and my heart through Rickus just speaking to me over a meal. 
Rickus uh, left Perth because he and his wife um, had been praying and they felt to go, called to go to another town. And I remember speaking to him before he went. Um, and he said, oh, we just feel like we're called to serve some people there, so we're just going to go there now. They're now in South America. I imagine the people meeting them as they walk into church may think the same thing. This isn't a guy of huge stature. If you Google him, you probably wouldn't find any news about him. He's just a guy. He's just a Christian guy. Just an ordinary guy. When Joey and I, my wife and I decided, actually, we're going to get baptised because we haven't had an immersion baptised, and that's something we offer here, so if anyone um, wants to get baptised, come up and speak afterwards. When we decided we'd been confirmed as kids, but actually we wanted to experience and, and step forward into a baptism, it was Rickers and CEO that we asked to baptise us. Rickers had what I would say, and I don't understate this, a profound impact on my walk with Jesus because Rickus called me and said, hey, do you want to come over for a meal? Rickus spent time in God's presence and because he was spending time in God's presence, he was able to hear the voice of God, because he was reading the Bible, he was able to stay true on his course. And what Rickus did was just step into opportunities with the Spirit and speak into people's lives. When ordinary people operate in God's presence, the extraordinary occurs. God does not need superstars. All the way through the Bible, you hear stories of God raising up ordinary people and using them to do powerful and magnificent things. God does not need superstars. He needs humble and bold vessels of his presence. When we are a group of people who are marked by God's presence, And we're a group of people who are going after God's presence, are asking for his presence, are praying for his presence. God changes in here, and then he changes out here. God will change the atmosphere of your home when you call the presence into here, when you acknowledge that the presence is already here, and when you journey with that. God wants you to journey through life with him through the mundane of Mondays and Tuesdays. It was really interesting hearing uh, Warwick and June pipe up before and um, uh, share a bit of their story. June's words there where she said, um, where's the effect of, this is just what we do. It's not like, oh, wow, this is just how God's made us. Through Through ordinary people, when they operate in God's presence, the extraordinary occurs. If you are sat here today and you are thinking that, oh, this bit's not for me, other people do that, it's other Christians that do that, the presence of God in your life when you operate in step with the Spirit, you will see God do extraordinary things. There are people in this room who have the gift of evangelism but don't yet realise it. There are people in this room who have words of prophecy to be released over this church and you don't yet realise it. 
there are people here that are born preachers and perhaps don't realise it. God uses ordinary people. So what do we do with this? Where do we go from here? Well, I've got uh, four handy steps. <laughs> I think it's four. Four handy steps for how we can step into this as a church, how we can step into being a, a, a body of people following God and going after his presence. So the first is this. Contend that you do not miss out on it. Contend that you may not miss out on it. God wants to do extraordinary things in each of your lives. God wants to do extraordinary things in each of your lives. We've got to get down on our knees and say, God, open my eyes. Have me see. Lord, have me hear. Lord, have me focused on the things of your kingdom so that I do not miss out. That's the first thing you can do as a follower of Jesus. Contend that you may not miss out on what God wants to do with your life. My second tip is we need to radically pursue stillness. Radically pursue stillness to read, to listen, and to hear. To read, to listen, and to hear. Hurriedness is probably one of the biggest inhibitors to the faith that the church is facing in the Western world. The busyness of our lives, the hurriedness of our hearts, is often what stops us from seeing and hearing what God wants us to do. I've got three kids under five. I've got a busy job. And I'm a pastor. And hurriedness is the enemy of God's work. I have to fight to try and find stillness in my heart so that I can radically pursue what God wants to do in my life. And I just want to point out, I have it easier than some people sat in this room. There's people that have harder lives than me. And I'm inspired when I hear stories behind the scene in pastoral chats of people that are struggling with things. And they have hurried, busy lives. And yet they're still pursuing stillness so that God reveals what he wants to do with us. Contend that you may not miss out on it. Radically pursue that stillness. My third tip expectantly await his voice. God will speak when we stop and listen. That's a promise. If we ask for it, if we radically pursue it with stillness, and if we wait expectantly, God does lead. Often not in our timing. It's like, oh, I've got 10 minutes, God. Quickly, which way? We've got to be expectant and we've got to wait on his voice. And then, when he speaks, we actually have to do as he commands. We have to walk the way that he's asking us to walk. We have to step into that obedience. We have to step into that dependency on God. 
despite the fear, despite the cost, we've got to choose to step into what God wants to do in our lives. When ordinary people do this, God does extraordinary things. That passage that we started with from Luke, as I was getting to the end of this uh, sermon prep, it just struck me that last verse 27, that last verse, which is where Jesus said, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and the crowd at this moment. So this is a crowd of people that have gathered. They've heard the fanfare. They've heard this person called Jesus. They're drawn to it. They've turned up and they're they're eagerly listening to Jesus' word. They're in the right posture. These these are people that have stepped forward and they're they're listening to Jesus' words. And he says that group of people step forward and are listening to Jesus' word. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. I don't believe this is a salvation issue. What I think Jesus is saying here is there is more. If you press into this, you get to see the kingdom of God, the glory of God on earth before heaven. I want to finish with the words um, of Brother Lawrence from the practice of the presence of God. There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet, more delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice it and experience it. That's really interesting. They practice it and then experience it. Yet I do not advise you do it from that motive. It is not pleasure which we ought to seek in this exercise. But let us do it from a principle of love and because God would have us. My message here today is really, really simple. If you're an ordinary person, the doors are open. God is inviting you in. God is saying, come with me. Walk in this deepening relationship with me through your life and you will see extraordinary things happen. Come with me. Walk with me through your pain, through your suffering, through your joys. And you will see extraordinary things happen. If we are a people marked by that, if we are a people in our workplaces, in our home places, in our social spaces that are walking with God, the world cannot help but turn and notice. The band's going to come up now and we're going to worship again together. But before we do that, I'm just, going to, um, I'm just going to pray over us this message that God is calling us as ordinary people to step into his presence in a more full way. And I really feel there's a few different groups of people here. There's people perhaps who have not experienced um, walking in the presence before. 
and are confused about whether I really have that presence in my life. And the message to you is, if you've called on the name of, of Abba Father, if you've called on the Lord, you have his presence. It's tuning in the frequency. There's people that have been doing this for some time, and this is an encouragement to carry on and to go after more as God grows you. And there's perhaps people that um, haven't yet called on, an, on, on Abba, Father, haven't said, Jesus, I want to follow you with my life. And during the, during the, the next uh, worship set, there's going to be um, some people praying on either side. So I just invite you to come up and just ask for prayer. Ask for prayer to accept Jesus into your, into your heart. Wherever you're at, whether you're confused about the presence, whether you haven't called on the name of the Lord, or whether you just want more of it, the invitation is to step into more with Jesus. So just stand, and I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to worship together. Father, we just ask that you'll have us marked as a people that follow you, that steward your presence. I just pray over this group of men and women and I pray this, pray this over my own heart as well, Lord, that we can be activated in new ways to carry your presence into our workplaces, into our social groups, Lord. I think of uh, mums in mothers' groups, dads in dads' groups. I think of... Um, footy clubs and rugby clubs, whatever it is, Lord, have us carry your presence into those places. And as we journey with you and go deep in our lives with you, I just ask, Lord, that you radically change atmospheres and you have us see things happen that make us go, wow, and encourage us on. I just pray for this group of individuals, Lord. I just petition on behalf of us as a body of believers that we would just find more of your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.